Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, and the surrounding areas, people, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host, Dennis Simpson, as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Remax of Hot Springs Village. The award-winning Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007. Find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at 1-800-364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com. Ike Eisenhower State Farm. Ike and his award-winning team have been serving the insurance needs of folks all around Hot Springs Village since 1998. Ike has qualified for State Farm's President's Club, Chairman's Circle, and Hot Springs Village Insurance Agent of the Year. Call Ike Eisenhower State Farm today at 501-984-4100. That's 501-984-4100. Find them online at IkeEisenhower.net. Call them today for all your insurance needs because, like a good neighbor, Ike Eisenhower State Farm is there. This is a thinly veiled episode, and I mean very thinly veiled, because the bottom line is is that we, we do shows about Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today, Mr. Tim Ernst with us, and this is very thinly veiled because I've wanted to interview this guy for a decade or more. Tim, great to have you today, buddy. Well, it's great to be here and down there. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, we were just joking before I hit the button. I I was introducing how I had become acquainted with you or your work, I should say. And I I would go into Wordsworth Books up up in the Heights and and literally for the last 30 years, walk in and and there's the Tim Ernst wall. And I'm like, wow. And and Tim, you were saying there's like every book ever made. And and what was your comment? Well, I'd rather see the walls blank because that means... (laughs) that, uh, you know, people are buying them. But no, I'm just kidding about that. Usually my books back in the corner where the, the dartboard is. Also, <laughs> Hopefully they get more attention that way. Tim, I, I can only wrap. I, I can't even know where to begin with this. But but Tim, four decades, Tim, is that roughly or longer? Or longer. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I would call him the premier uh, wildlife and nature photographer in the state by far and away. How many books, Tim? How many books have you published? Uh, well, I've got 20 coffee table picture books um, that I've done. And um, we've got, I don't know, 10 or 12 others that are guidebooks, waterfall guidebooks, hiking trail guidebooks, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I'm going to really try not to nerd out here, too, <laughs> because b- between the hiking trail books and the photography books, man, I anyway, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How do you get started in, let's call it, rural northwest Arkansas or north central Arkansas? How do you how did you start? I really don't know the story at all. Well, I started um, when I was a uh, sophomore at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville, and I didn't even really own a camera at the time. 
I was an environmental science major, and I was a terrible student. I was one of the worst uh, high school and college students. Uh, I, I just wasn't. I was lazy, basically. I was going to say inattentive or just, yeah. Yeah. And um, although history in high school was my most favorite class, because back in one of the corners, it was very dark and I could go in there and for 45 minutes, lay down and sleep and nobody <laughs> would bother me. But um, now in the, I think it was in the spring of my sophomore year at the U of A in 1974, I, I entered a newspaper ad in the, in the Arkansas Traveler newspaper that said guaranteed profits taking pictures of beautiful women. So are they still hiring for this? Because I, mean, I was still a teenager. So, you know, how could I pass that up? Even though I was <laughs> I was petrified of, of girls, um, I've always been very shy, although I had uh, spent the previous summer working for the Forest Service um, right out of high school as a cave guide, Blanchard Springs Caverns. And oh, all wow. you do all day is talk to people and be around people, which was kind of exactly the opposite of, you know, I grew up out in the woods hunting and fishing by myself, mostly. At any rate, I um, I I answered the ad, and the very next day, I became a professional photographer overnight. That's and all it took. That's all it took, and there's a lot of details there. But um, my for the next five years, um, those were my wildlife photographer years, and a lot of people introduced me as a wildlife photographer, and that's true because those five years, uh, basically, all I did was photograph sorority and fraternity parties. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of wild, uh, wild. Uh, it 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 was a lot of fun. But so let me uh, get this straight. So it was wildlife, but not necessarily outdoors. Uh, no, it was indoor wildlife. Indoor wildlife. Indoor That's wildlife. Right. Yeah. But so that you grew up. Where where, where did you, you where were you in born Fayetteville. in Arkansas? In, in Fayetteville. Fayetteville. Yeah, I was born in Fayetteville and um, lived there till in my forties, I guess. Back before there were a quarter million people in that area and more. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, you've seen a lot of changes there, huh? You bet. Yeah. A lot wow. of them for the good. Some of them, you know, growing pains. But. Yeah. Yeah. Do And I, I, I don't even know where to begin. Let's let me hop ahead a little and I don't want to come back if that's OK. I see that we're in your gallery, I'm assuming today. Right. And this is a gallery. Yeah. Where are you located? Well, we have a gallery in Newton County just outside of Jasper. Uh, and I call it we're about halfway between the uh, Jasper and Ponca, you know, yeah. Buffalo River. And I call it the. Um, the greater low gap Mount Sherman Metroplex. Up I, here. I was going to ask if it was the Metroplex. It, it encompasses the whole suburban area or urban area of maybe 5,000 people. If you put three towns together. Uh, yeah. I think the, uh, the Jasper population is less than 500 at, yeah. as is the school from, from K through, uh, through high school. Yeah, I love when people say they're in Newton County. Cause I'm like, I know, <laughs> I know where that is simply because it's Jasper and all outlying areas, and that's, that's right. about how it is, right? Well, yeah. for our guest, and and we have a lot of people that are going to be watching and listening today, and I really want to share a lot of these photos. Those of you that are just listening on the podcast, you're going to want to go to our YouTube channel, see Tim's shows, see, see Tim, see the man, uh, and define the Ponca uh, Jasper area because there's something amazing at Ponca, in my opinion. Well, there's a lot of things amazing at Ponca in Newton County. And, of course, the, the biggest star is the Buffalo National River. America's first national river um, gets its uh, headwaters is is upstream from Ponca. Uh, we we used to live in, my wife Pam and I used to, and our daughter Amber, used to live in a log cabin in the headwaters of the Buffalo River area for um, for about 20 years 
So it was like a 30 minute drive to get downstream to Ponca. And of course, there's a lot of hiking trails in, in Ponca, uh, in the upper Buffalo River area and the Buffalo National River in general. Early on, you know, the Buffalo River was basically just floating. It was a floating stream back in the 60s. And then 1972, it became a national river. And they started to develop hiking trails and and other things. And one of them, one of the great tourist attractions here are Rocky Mountain elk that were transplanted into Boxley Valley. And elk and waterfalls, which and the hiking trails, I think are um, most of the year the three biggest draws here because uh, you can hike all year long. And that's one of the great things about Arkansas in general, but this area and in those arts and the Washita's, of course, is we have a lot of hiking trails that are not snow covered in the wintertime, like the Rocky Mountains or the Appalachians. You know, people people from out of state come here to hike a lot. This time of year, in fact, is a great time to get out and hike. There's no very few snakes and bugs and not many people. Chig- chiggers but, are down, too. Chiggers are down, too. That's chiggers. right. I, I remember in my eighth grade Arkansas history class, you know, we, we have a, a <clears throat> that they had when I was a kid, we had a year of mandatory education about Arkansas. And I remember that the settlers that moved to Arkansas were euphoric, the European settlers, and they would message and send letters back home that said, we can get two crops a year, a year. And that was just beyond. And, you know, having always grown up in Arkansas myself, I grew up in Benton Bryant. And I always remembered thinking, so not everybody gets two crops a year, right? And and your point being, you know, we just left the uh, Gatlinburg uh, Smokies, and they were getting ready for snow, and yeah. and it'll it, it's going to be it's beautiful, it's absolutely beautiful. You can't eat the scenery, as they say, but uh, it is it is a year round uh, environment that we have here in Arkansas. Tim, I, I, let's hop into some photos here in a minute, and let's come back. I, I see some beautiful stuff on your wall, and I never get the is it Hogsbill? Craig, what, what uh, I never Hawksville. Hawksville. Um, yeah, and, um, Dr. Neil Compton, who of course led the fight to save the Buffalo River. Um, he he said it first described it as looking kind of like the bill of a hawk. Hmm. That's very appropriate because there's a lot of hawks soar around there, but it's also known as uh, what's considered the Forest Service name, which is Whitaker Point. Oh, and Whitaker Creek flows um, under, not directly underneath it, but through the drainage that you that you kind of overlook there. So yeah, and, I like and, it sorry, as Foxville Craig or the Craig is it, just because Whitaker is a much longer word to type. So <laughs> I just say the Craig. And in Arkansas, we want to, yeah, kind of shorten it up for us. I think one of the things that that we need to cover that for our outside guests, because we'll have people from Sweden, Australia, around the world watching and listening, that we need to kind of tie in. A national river because we were getting ready to dam it was the discussion, right? Correct. Well, it, was, um, it, it, it has been on the schedule to have not one but multiple hydroelectric dams, I guess, uh, flood control dams. That was particularly back in the 40s and 50s when th- there were a lot of dikes, uh, excuse me, lakes created um, for flood control and then for hydroelectric uh, power production. And there were... I think originally three dams um, being drawn up for the Buffalo River and eventually got down to one. And then uh, in the 60s, it was it was kind of frowned upon by more and more people that, uh, you know, we really like it the way it is. And uh, it uh, 
took a 10-year battle from the Ozark Society and other groups and, and a lot of individuals uh, led by Dr. Neil Compton to uh, save the Buffalo River, basically, is what they did. And they there are a lot of different National Park Service properties in the United States. There's like five or 600 units of the National Park Service, but only a handful, less than 100, that are actually national parks like Yellowstone, and hot springs, of course. And they didn't create it as a national park. So they thought, well, let's make it in the first national river, because that really is, you know, that's that's the main star is the river from end to end with uh, no dams. And it's one of the longest free flowing undammed streams in the United States. I didn't know that. I will say, and for our guest again, I do want to make note. Um, I, I truly appreciate the documentaries that we see, uh, uh, and I'm, why am I blank on the documentarian who did the Civil War and all these things? Uh, oh. P- PBS documentarian, you are blank too. I, it'll come to me in a second. But when he did the article, he did a great, great uh, show about Yellowstone, and he called it the first national park. And I'm like, no, not exactly, because Hot Springs Reserve Hot Springs National Reserve was the very first first. reserve or whatever. And then we changed the name to Parks. Well, it's a semantic deal, but we were a little older than than Yellowstone. But still, I think, and and this is just my present world perception of our generation, and I think this was a time when previously we believed that nature had to be wrestled to the ground and conquered. You know, I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Uh, the and I I have I've seen the photos. I've taken the tour of the Blakely Mountain Dam here at Lake Washita. Fantastic achievement, engineering wise. It's remarkable, and we're probably using some of its electricity right now. I love that. That's fine. There need to be some natural places, right? Untouched. Yeah. Well, we need a good balance, and yeah. you know that's that's a constant struggle to be uh, and kind of between the Forest Service and the National Park Service. The National Park Service is more about preservation and mm-hmm. the National Forest Service is more about using our national resources, which is exactly what, what they do, and renewable resources. And then, of course, there are a lot of other agencies, too. But, yeah, it's it's great to have lakes. I mean, especially Hot Springs knows that better than anybody else and uh, up here in northwest Arkansas as well. But it's also great to have free-flowing rivers every now and then. And, and uh, it's it's great for the economy. It's great for uh, just a lot of things here. Not only yeah. the people of Arkansas, but it is a national river. So um, they uh, and, and and if you don't believe that, pull up pull up to Ponca to any of the inlets at at, uh, at the Buffalo River during the summer and read the license plates. It's a who's who from around the world. It really is. Oh, Tim, I'm so excited. If you could, could you, do you have some photos you can share with us? I can if I um, <clears throat> I need to be able to uh, share my screen. Sure, sure, sure. I I think I've got that turned on. Uh, yeah, believe I do. I'm going to turn it on multiple just so there's any if no conqu- no questions. And and I'm apologizing in advance. I'm going to nerd out on some of this, and I'm going to ask staff ask f stop and the saturation and what you do and how you do it and all that if you don't mind. Oh there sure, you can you can ask me anything you want, and if I don't know the answer, I'll make something up. I'm good with that too. I'm good with that too. Okay, <laughs> we've got your Zoom screen, so okay. if you've got photos there, we're ready to go. Yep, I'm. Uh, here we go. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, there's um, there's a couple things that I want to do. One one thing I want to do is kind of take you through my through my web page, which gets you to a lot of pictures. Well, let and, me let me go. Let me get there first. Tim okay. Ernst E R N S T. Right. Correct. 
Tim TimErnst.com. And I promise you, if you type in Tim Ernst, you will find Tim Ernst. You're, you're all over the place, buddy. Go ahead, well, please. Th- now, th- there's also a, uh, um, uh, a body guy, uh, a bodybuilder guy named Tim Ernst that has a lot of books. And- I saw that guy, and he's all Mr. Atlas kind of That's thing. Right. That is not me. <laughs> For a moment, I thought that was you, Tim. I saw that, and I thought, oh, that? No, 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 no. I mean, um, I'm, I'm almost 70 now, and I'm in the best condition I've been, physical condition I've been in in, in a long time, but it's not muscle. It's just but uh, it, So you're just saying you're, you're not Mr. Atlas, if there's a confusion. When in doubt, look at the guy with the hat. Hey, there you go. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I've got to ask if I can, how did you take this photograph? Oh, this one right here. Oh yeah, man. How many, what was the exposure on that? 20, 30 minutes? Well, this is actually a double exposure. Okay. Got it. uh, And, and that's because, and this was actually taken off the back deck of the log cabin where we used to live in, in the upstream of um, headwaters of the Buffalo river area. And the Milky Way, we could never have done this picture with film cameras, nor early digital cameras. This is just recent in the last 10 or 12 years, we've had digital technology that would allow us to photograph the Milky Way and the landscape. Right. And this is kind of a late season um, picture for the Milky Way. And the uh, brightest part of it that that we uh, photographers love to photograph now is actually below the horizon here. And we can't see it. But this was a a spectacularly clear night when I took this photograph and there was just a hint of moonlight on the landscape here. And this is a, is fog ground fog is building up on the Buffalo river. This is the Buffalo river itself. This was our view. We woke up to every morning. Um, well, after this was the nighttime view, but so the landscape is lit by a little bit of moonlight, but it's a really, it takes like a couple of minute long exposure to get enough light to show the landscape. Whereas the stars, the Milky Way, it's like a 20 second exposure. So that's why it's a double exposure. Exact same scene, one after another, but uh, you have to do it twice in order to get the uh, um, the exposure correct for both the sky and the landscape. I can't hear you. I see you're talking. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was going to say, if you would do me a favor, I think it's control or command plus and you can blow up this website just a little bit more so everybody can see this a little better, if you don't mind. Uh, and and okay. I'll say, perfect. May, may, yeah, great. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, I, I was going to go back into this real quick. There's a couple of things that people don't understand, and I want you to address these issues, if you would. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and and I, I, who was it? Uh, Tyler. I think it was Tyler. Just, uh, 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 Vice President Tyler was running for uh president against lincoln and lincoln was used to say he was born in a log cabin and tyler said he wasn't born in a log cabin but he sure wished he had been so he could have that cred you know <laughs> living living in a log cabin may not be what everybody thinks it's cracked up to be is it tim well um for me it was i loved it i loved but it it's kind of cold and damp and kind of hot and muggy it, it's not exactly no. environmentally stable no, I no, it, it can be whatever you want it to be. Um, well, I mean, y- y'all had HVAC and whatever, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. In fact, we, we actually had um, DSL internet to our cabin before Northwest Arkansas did. Are you serious? Or they took it to big cities. Whenever they whenever they laid the phone line to when I built the cabin, had the cabin built in 1997, had a phone installed. It was a mile and a half 
to the phone line. So they wow. they buried it in the road coming out to what what was our what is our cabin. Um, and they put in wire capable of DSL. And so uh, but Fayetteville didn't have it yet, for instance. And whenever DSL was available in Newton County, Overnight, we had DSL internet access through the phone line, and Fayetteville didn't. Unbelievable! And you had at least three megs down, right? Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it, it was pretty good um, uh, for for that. So no, we didn't. Uh, um, you might remember, or m- may not, um, back in um, 1980, 80. No, I'm sorry, um, 2000, 2001. Um, a little girl got lost, named Haley Zega. Yeah. And when I ended up writing a book about it, the search for Haley, and she was a little six year old that got lost at Hawksbill Craig right after she had she had been on a hike and just had just left Hawksbill Craig, became the largest search and rescue mission in Arkansas history. I believe it still is. And she was found on day three alive and well. Um, And her family kind of gathered at our log cabin. The the search and rescue folks didn't want them out with all of the the uh, other searchers and rescue teams. So they mm-hmm. they kind of put them with us in our log cabin, and we had fifty to sixty people living there for three days. Two and, two or three bedrooms, suppose I, I'm assuming. Yeah, a couple oh. of bedrooms. But it was but we also had we had three phone lines um, because of our business and personal lines. And we, back then we had to have a separate telephone line just for the fax machine. And so they got to use the the fax machine to the family did to kind of get to talk to the outside world. So it was technologically advanced for a log cabin. Very technological, probably the, uh, the most high tech cabin in the Ozarks at that time. Well, yeah, at the turn of the century, that was, you know, so it it it, it was a turn of the century log cabin, just a different <laughs> Just the, not the one you were thinking, right? Right, yeah. Well, so the, the photo you have here, which is magnificent, I, and I understand putting the two photos together, but well, I'm sorry, let me back up just for a sec. I'm assuming if I go to timerns.com, I can also uh, pick up a book, The Search for Jessica? Search for Haley. Haley, um, I'm sorry, excuse me. Ironically, well, not ironically, but the... Uh, that book is out of print, has been oh. for a long time, but but we do have uh, an ebook version of it that oh. you can go, go to Amazon and just type in the search for Haley, and the ebook version of it is exactly what the what what the original book was. Well, and scroll she, up just for a moment, if you would. I saw something. And I apologize, I didn't bring that up. The Canvas Gallery will be open Saturday, eleven twenty six. I don't think the show is going to be out in that time, but do you do that on a regular basis or or? Um, normally we don't, uh, in fact, we're not normally open to the public, but right mm. now we're open every Saturday until Christmas. I about to say, and, because of this would make a great Christmas idea. If you want to tell somebody what Arkansas is like. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so, and actually, since we're, um, again, th- this is our main webpage. Mm-hmm. These are all the hop hop back to the calendar just for a minute. If you would hop back to the calendar, I wanted okay. everybody to see that. Yeah. Um, interestingly, um, it's kind of funny that this is on here because this is also a picture off the back deck of our cabin, but this is our new cabin where we live now, which is closer to the Metroplex. And oh, yeah. Is, well, you wouldn't call it downtown, but just closer. No, that's right. Um, but this is a, a little side creek, a side drainage of the of the Little Buffalo River. This is Henson Creek that flows into the Little Buffalo River that we can see a little to the left in this picture. And then it eventually flows in to the Big Buffalo River. 
through the town of Jasper, the little Buffalo Buffalo River throat. And and the and by the way, if, if you haven't been to Jasper, beautiful little town. It, it's it it's it is picturesque rural Arkansas. It really is. Would you say, Tim? Absolutely. And they've got some great food there and and uh Yeah, the little cafeteria there on the corner. Yeah. That's right. Well so, well scroll um, scroll down a little more if you would. Show us I, and I'm gonna really put you on the spot. What's your favorite part of Arkansas? Well, the Buffalo River area where I live is <clears throat> just because this is where I live and I see it every day. And and I, I, I probably a, a majority of the photographs that I take from Arkansas are from here just simply because I, I love the edges of daylight before sunrise, right after sunrise, before sunset, right after sunset, nighttime. And, you know, um, I love the Washita Mountains, but I don't get up and walk out the door and I'm able to see, you know, sunrise in the Washita mountains every day, like I do yeah. here. So when I go to the Washita mountains, it's a more deliberate thing to where I'm, you know, I have to make an effort to go down there and, uh, or where swamps in the, in the, down the Delta or other places around Arkansas. So it's just easier to photograph where you are. True. And so that, that's why I love it here. Well, and, and, and the, where I was touching with that is, is that I, I'm not really a fan of the Delta. It's a it's a really nice place, but it has. I've seen some of your photos of the Delta. They're magnificent. They are. We we've got some incredible um, swamplands, is is what I call it. Uh, in fact, we have a stretch of almost five hundred thousand acres of uh, basically swampland um, that is protected by various government agencies, whether it be the White River National Wildlife Refuge or Arkansas Game and Fish Commission lands. Um, and it's just uh, there's just some some fabulous. Uh, recreational opportunities throughout that area, but also scenic opportunities. The uh, largest uh, living thing in Arkansas is in one of them. It's a, it's a giant bald cypress tree, um, but it's also a great place to uh, uh, for waterfowl hunting and and, and other uh, other species too. Where is the, uh, the where's the virgin timber at? Is it way down by in Chico County, or is it over by the San Francis? Um, well, it's virgin is kind of a um, relative term. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, there's a lot of big, big swamp trees down there, but they have been logged over, I'm sure, o- over the uh, centuries. Most yeah. of them. Uh, now, now we just call it old growth, right? Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll take us on a tour of your books. Are these in any chronological order? Is this any? No, no, okay. they they are not. And and uh, one thing I will say that is kind of written out right here. Up until a year and a half ago, my wife Pam and I. We're not only the publishers and authors, but we also have always been the distributors of all of our books. And up until recently, if you have seen or handled or own any of our books, guidebooks or picture books or calendars or anything, both my wife and I touched them multiple times before they ever got into your hands because we we would have them printed and we would receive them in our warehouse and then we would stack them. And then whenever somebody would order, we would open the boxes and take them out and I would autograph them and, and uh, send them off to the, either direct to people or direct to uh, bookstores and, and outdoor stores and visitor centers and stuff. But a year and a half ago, we turned all that process over to the university of Arkansas press, which is what uh, kind of what they do. They, they distribute books for, for other <clears> authors. <throat> and so we no longer handle the direct day-to-day sales of these books and all these books I'm getting ready to show you um, are available still direct um, 
at any of your retailers that normally would carry them, uh, Wash Tie Outfitters in Hot Springs, and uh, I think All Things Arkansas uh, in Hot Springs has mm-hmm. them, as well as Wordsworth Books that we that, that we were talking about before. But mm-hmm. you can also get them online, and you can still order them direct from our distributor. And so just as an example, this is my most recent number 20 picture book, Arkansas Greatest Hits. And this is one that the slide program um, that I'm doing right now in, in various cities and it uh, it has pictures that have been published in all in in other picture books of mine. But these are these are kind of my favorites that I wanted to collect and put into the last book that uh, picture book that I'm going to publish. And it was published a couple of years ago. And you say the last picture book, the last picture book. That's right. Yeah. Um, for me, 20 is enough. <laughs> but just just as a quick example, um, and, and this is the case of any of the books on this webpage. If you click on them, right, it will go direct to our distributor site, so that you gotcha. can you can mail order it if you want to. Um, Forty five years of wilderness photography, my friend. That's right, and and it doesn't really include the five years of the wildlife photography of the wild wildlife of the wildlife. wild yeah. with the air quotes. The air quotes. <laughs> that's, that's right. Let, let, me, let me and because I realize I I try and keep reminding myself. You know, we're a couple of Arkansas guys, and we. You know, we're familiar with the woods and and uh, and I realize a lot of people aren't. I, I um, how do I say this? Um, Arkansas used to be the bear state. Was right. that, I mean, we were known as the bear state. And then we had to reintroduce bear. Right. And the, the, the philosophy and I've shared this a couple of times on our show, and I don't know how many people really got it. But uh, the Game and Fish used to have a great or has a great magazine that they sent out every quarter, fantastic articles, and it was just very informative. One of the things you had to kind of reverse glean from things was, is about 100 years ago, we decimated nearly everything. The white-tailed deer. I'm sorry? I said market hunting, it was called. Yeah. Oh, is that what it was? Well, because I mean, uh, I, I saw pictures from Newport where they were pulling out thousands of fish a day. Mm-hmm. And and pulling out clamshells or, or little shells to make the buttons for everybody. There was a huge button business there. Uh, we basically wiped out the bear. And and it's easy to say, wow, well, we the we had the most successful reintroduction of bear, and we did. But that's because we had already wiped them out. <laughs> and, and I think I think Tim, I think you and I know I, this photo with the three cute bears. That's adorable. That is a one in a billion shot, Tim, and you know it and I know it. How did you get that shot? Well, that was actually, um, and there's a third cub up the tree, too. Really? This was shot during a period of time where I was working on my Arkansas wildlife picture book. Uh-huh. And it, uh, it would usually take me a year or two of taking pictures specifically for a book before I would have enough good quality images that I felt like to to publish a book. And so I was in wildlife mode for most of that two years, and I would go to places where I would hope to find wildlife. And this is is one in particular where there was uh, someone I knew that that uh, was complaining to me that the bears kept tearing up his deer feeder. I thought deer feeder. Ah, that's where you they they automatically throw out corn a couple times a day to attract deer. And bear are smart. They're they're smart enough to sit there and wait for it to go. Bear love corn. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So the bears were coming in. It was really a bear feeder. And so it was just a simple matter of, of being setting up a blind with my camera in the vicinity, not right at the feeder, but in the right. vicinity 
And because uh, he had told me he'd photographed on his game cam a dozen or more different bears. So there were a lot of bears using it. So that's that's how I got this picture. And but, but it took but, me two or three days. Well, the other part, the, how many what? Two or three days. of Two or three that. days. <clears throat> the very first part of this story, when you started, the very first thing that went through my mind is, and, and I am blessed this way too, you must have an incredibly patient spouse. What are you doing today, Tim? Oh, I'm going to take my camera and go out in the woods and sit and wait for bears to come up. And I'll wait for hours at a time sitting on an uncomfortable folding chair so I can take pictures and hope something works out. And I'll be back in a couple of years and we'll maybe make some more money, honey. Right. <laughs> Am I close? Uh, but, well, she knew that um, when I left, not to expect me home anytime soon. Uh, and, and it's kind of funny. I'm going to scroll down here for just a second and show you one of my other pictures. This is Arkansas Nightscapes. Oh. which is another book that took me a couple of years. It seemed like to take enough pictures for it. And uh, a lot of times I would leave and go out and, and, you know, right after dinner, for instance, I would start work at sunset and I would go out and sometimes I'd be out all night long and not come back till the next morning. But frequently I would come back in at uh, two or three o'clock in the morning because I, I got what I needed that night and, and I would sneak back in and more than once she would wake up in the morning uh, or in, in the middle of the night after I had had come in and she would look over and I would still have, I would still have a headlamp that was turned on, on my head. And I never noticed it because it's actually, um, we use a very dim light, uh, right. red light, very yeah. single dense. And, and so she just, and first time I'm sure it, it kind of uh, uh, moved her a little bit and she was wondering what the heck was going on, but you know, after 40 or 50 times of your husband coming home and crawling in bed with his, with his head, red headlamp on, you get used to it. Mm -hmm. and, and him telling you he's been, he's been photog photographing wildlife. Again. That's right. 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 Exactly. I bet she was happy when you left the indoor wildlife and went to the outdoor wildlife. Well, that was long before I met her. Well, good, so, good, good. Yeah. Well, I wanted to go back and just for a moment, one, one other thing, there's so many subtleties in this that just cannot be explained. That was two cubs, and there was a third one in the tree. That's that is a is a one in a million thing too, because well, typically you know, they just had one or two cubs. I used to think so, really, but um, that's not really the case. They they're um, in fact the year, the two years that we were working on on that I was working on this book, we saw not one but four sets of triplets, really, and different ones, and two of them. We're, we were sitting on the back deck of our log cabin, and there's a small meadow down below it. Right. And literally, Mama would come walking through the meadow, and there were three cubs. And would just they would just kind of feed around, and then they would eventually kind of graze on off back into the woods. And over the course of uh, the summertime, that happened twice, and it was two different sets of bears because the cubs frequently are different colors. There's, um, oh. I've, I've seen like three different colors of, of, of bears in Arkansas. There's the very coal black. Sometimes it's so black, it's blue. Yeah. And then there's what we call a cinnamon color, which is kind of this, that's kind of what this middle one is right here. Um, yeah. Almost looks like a grizzly bear, brown bear type. And then there's some that are, that we call a blonde face or blondies and, and they're really light, in, but they're all black bears. It's the only species we have in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's the way they are for life. So uh, that's how we knew they were different sets of bears. And we've, we also saw one that had four cubs. 
I didn't Mercy. get any pictures of it, but yeah. Well, so it's, it, let, let, let me go in just a little deeper here. Is this the Cossatot in the middle? Uh, no, this one right here is actually Kings River up oh. here in uh, Kings River Falls. And uh, it's it's kind of funny. You know, every picture that uh, of mine that published, it seems like there's a picture, there's a story that goes along with it, which uh, when it, if you ever come to one of my slide programs, that that can be very long, drawn out process because uh, um, I don't mean to jump away, but I'm going to jump away for just a second. Sure, no problem you. at all. No problem at all. Here's all the pictures that are in my newest picture book. Oh, man. And um, there is a. I forgot oh, what I was talking about. But, no, you um, were talking about a story behind every picture. Yeah, the um, the 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 picture of this young lady in the. Um, whoops, I'm sorry. Okay. This was uh, this was a setup shot. I had been to this oh. waterfall several times, and I was working on this hiking trail guidebook, and. I went to it. It was a very early day in April. The springtime was just coming out, but, but it was pretty chilly. It was early morning, and I was taking pictures of this, and I thought, oh, man, I need a person in it. I don't normally have people in my pictures. And, and, I, and, and tell the nice people why. For scale, right? For, well, for scale, yes, helps quite a bit, and sometimes, you know, basically helps sell the book. And Well, yeah. and like this one, the uh, Day Hikes um, guidebook that, that my wife, Pam, and, and her young daughter, Amber, who was only seven, I think, when this picture was taken, they're the ones that wrote this book. Really? And actually, Amber, um, a story about this, just yesterday, she's almost 30 now, and she uh, and her boyfriend left before sunrise. I don't know where she got that from. No, and no hiked idea. To the bottom, hiked to the bottom of the Grand Canyon yesterday morning and then hiked back out again. 20-mile 20, 20 trip. Wasn't it a little chilly to the bottom, I it bet? Was, it was 11 degrees when they started yesterday morning <clears throat> and they got to the Colorado river at the bottom. And then uh, it, it was back up to like 30 when they got back out. Oh, balmy by the time they got back. Exactly. To, yes. to daylight. Yes, that's right. But, um, but I had recently met this girl who it, who was a, who's a cousin of a friend of mine and I was single back then. And she was actually a freeze model part-time at the mall, which that's part of what she did was, you know, she was in, you know, got dressed up in whatever clothes and stood in, in the window at the mall. And you didn't, when you walked by, you know, I think that's a whole art form now, but back uh, then. Yeah. And so I uh, drove back home, called her and said, is there any way you could come out and take a picture? I mean, I had only literally only met her for a few minutes through this guy. And she said, sure. And so uh, we met and went out there. And, and the reason that that she works for this, that she works very well for this picture was this picture was a multi-second exposure to get the water blurred. And I wanted a person in it and it needed to be somebody who could hold very still. Very, very still. Yes. Freeze model worked perfect. Uh, and well, the one to the left, I'm assuming is uh, Mather Falls, but I could be wrong. This is uh, actually um, over in Heber Springs. This is, um, uh, it's, well, people call it different things, but uh, it, it, it's in the Bridal Veil Falls complex over Heber Springs. Right, but kind of a triplex, yeah. Yeah, I I started putting uh, people in pictures for scale in 2002 when I came out with the Arkansas Waterfalls Guidebook, which is far and away our biggest selling uh, book of uh, of any kind. And, and to me, it just seemed it was very easy. I, I mean, just made 
made the, the picture of the waterfall much more um, valuable if you had a person in it. And so all the pictures, almost all the pictures in this guidebook, uh, which there's there's a couple of hundred different waterfalls in it now, <clears throat> excuse me, have a person in it. Most of them are me because I, I, was, I was alone most of the time when I did these. And in the early days, I only had a, I only had 10 seconds to trip the shutter of the camera and run, get into the picture and pose. How long were the exposures? Two or three seconds? Yes. Yes. So I was kind of a freeze model too, but you know, in this, in this case, it didn't matter if my face was blurred a little bit. It was just, you know, cause I'm very small. It's, it's just for, for the scale. But a lot of times I, I would get, get there and go back and look at the camera, see what it had taken. Cause this was all digital and you know, I wasn't in the picture. I felt oh. before that, or I didn't get there fast enough or whatever. So, um, so, uh, yes, that's, however, now that I'm older and wiser, I, uh, I don't do this when I document waterfalls anymore. I don't, I don't do this, the uh, scale thing. Cause I'm, I feel like people have seen my, my short green, uh, shorts that I used to wear. That's in about 150 of these pictures. They've seen <laughs> enough of my legs. So. Wow. I, okay. And I, I know this is like picking children or a Sophie's choice, your favorite book, your favorite, your favorite time. Uh, well, Arkansas Waterfall is clearly my favorite book, and I think has had the most impact on people, um, just simply because. And, and I'm, and I've always loved waterfalls. I've always known about waterfalls in Arkansas, but I had no clue that we had the waterfalls that we have in Arkansas. And I mean, I this has got 200 named waterfalls in it with maps and directions and stuff like that. But there are literally thousands of waterfalls in Arkansas. And well, let's granted, give let's give everybody from the outside, Hot Springs Village inside out. Let's give them the outside view. You typically want to go in the spring, right? Actually, no. Right now is kind of the beginning of waterfalls, the best waterfall season. Once the leaves go dormant and they're not on trees and plants, and they're not sucking up water from from uh, groundwater, all the rain that falls will eventually will mostly run off. And that's when the waterfalls are, are running the best all through the winter on into early spring is typically what, when we think waterfalls are great, because that's usually when people get out and go floating. Right. Right. But right. Back to what I was talking about of the Buffalo river and Arkansas in general, especially in the Washita's around hot springs is that uh, springtime is great to be here, but waterfalls run all year. I, I'm yeah. sorry, run all winter long once yeah. they get fully recharged and, and flowing um, <clears throat> towards the summertime. Then they, then they start to dry up. And unless we have big rainfalls in the summer, the waterfalls compete with the, with all the vegetation soaking it up. So by early summer, a lot of the really big waterfalls are are much lower than than they typically are. Now we're well, coming off a, dr a drought right now, so we're we're not quite at full power on our waterfalls yet. Probably in the next several weeks, is we'll get going really well. Going to take a little longer to recharge everything, right? Yes. Well, and and I want to ask. Um, it, you know, this Thursday, supposed to get a good rain. Thanksgiving, supposed to get a good rain. So probably Friday, Saturday, Sunday would be a better time to go see them or. Yes. After, after Thanksgiving and, and, you know, it, it all, almost all of the waterfalls in Arkansas are weather dependent mm -hmm. and even springs they'll, they'll run for quite a while after um, waterfalls that are spread, but fed by springs will, will run much longer than those that aren't. But but usually um, the larger the drainage is, the longer waterfalls will run. So it just kind of depends on uh, what the what the local area is. 
there's a there's a really neat um, hiking trail just outside of Hot Springs Village at Lake Catherine State Park that, mm-hmm. that's got a short, easy trail that goes to a waterfall. And um, I think it's Falls, uh, Falls Creek Falls. Mm. And um, there's uh, you know, you, you can go any direction from Hot Springs and, and uh, see see some waterfalls. I wanted to mention also when we, we've talked about the lakes here in Hot Springs, I, you know, and, and I think from a an outside view, it's hard to see really the layers of protection, you know, just over my shoulders, 1.7 million acres of national forest that runs roughly from 20 miles west of Little Rock to 65 miles into Oklahoma. Well, it's this huge band. And you think, number one, it's a monolith and it is not. Uh, there are private areas inside there. But but like, for example, Lake Washita. Well, Lake Washita is what, 40,000 acres? And it has a buffer all the way around it that's run by the Corps of Engineers, so you can't build right on that lake. All the governmental agencies, which I think most people just think governmental agencies are, I'm sorry, the term comes to buffoons is what most people think, but but they know what they're doing for the most part, and and they work together in an incredibly seamless way, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yes, and Lake Washita is a shining example of one of Arkansas's most beautiful states and uh, most beautiful lakes. And of course, I love all the islands in it. Oh, you know, it nearly two hundred. Yeah, it's great. But there's there's a lot of opportunities, of course, for boating, but also for hiking, with uh, the uh, hiking trails at, at Lake Washita State Park and the Lovett Trail. Now that that is along, uh, um, I guess uh, the the southern uh, southern part of Lake Washita, and then of course the Washita National Recreation Trail, which is the longest hiking trail in Arkansas, um, starts in Oklahoma at, at the end the the western end of the Washita National Forest and goes all the way to Pinnacle Mountain just outside of Little Rock. Um, but I also, you know, I've always wanted to live on the water, and I would love to have a house in Hot Springs Village or in Hot Springs on one of the lakes down there. And yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I, I have some cousins, two different cousins of mine, who, uh, uh, who, who, both of them asked me they're wanting a winter home, and one of them lived on an island in Florida, and they just loved it there. But they wanted to be closer to their original home in Minnesota, and they were looking at Arkansas. They always used to um, make fun of me because I was a hillbilly, you know, truly, whenever I would come up to visit them in, in, in Minnesota every summer. And they wanted to know, you know, they've seen these lists of places to, to live in Arkansas. And they said, where would you live? And I said, Hot Springs Village. Did time. you really, Tim? I didn't know Absolutely. that. And you, and you guys have two new um, uh, residents, resident families in Hot Springs Village, just just that are that are cousins of mine, and I'm proud really? to say they're cousins. Yeah, they I may have... not be proud of you know this hillbilly here, but uh, at any rate, um, yeah. So, so when you went to Minnesota, did they think you talked funny? Absolutely, and I and I knew they did. Well, I mean, obviously they did. I mean, that's that. There's without any question there, but yeah. Uh, um, b- before we get away from it, I want to show you, uh, I want to answer the second half of your question. Um, I love all the picture books, all 20 of them, and yeah. the pictures in them are all favorites of mine. But this one is probably my most favorite picture book. And it's one of only two out of the 20 that I've done where there are pictures that are not from Arkansas. Hmm. Of course, I'm, you know, I've you cut me open. I'll bleed Arkansas. That's mm-hmm. that's who I am first and foremost. Yeah. But I've spent I've spent a lot of the last forty five years taking pictures elsewhere, and and uh, there's a chapter in this book and co- about Colorado and one on Iceland and one on uh, 
Yellowstone in the wintertime and stuff like that. So it's uh, well, it's and, my and, most favorite picture book. And let's come back to that just for a minute. The Arkansas nightscapes and the quality of light. Number one, I know there's a lot involved to do what you're doing there with that. But what a lot of people don't need don't understand is the golden hour in the morning and the evening. The sun is crossing through the atmosphere. There's more atmosphere for it to cross through as the, you know, strikes the atmosphere. And you get this just golden Mediterranean type look, right? Yeah. Some sometimes more more than others. It can it can vary quite a bit. And that's I mentioned earlier that I love photographing at the edges of daylight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and sunset's a perfect example. You know, most people go out and they want to see the sunset, they photograph the sunset, and they pack up and leave. After they leave, that's when I like to show up. And because that's when sometimes 30 minutes, even an hour after sunset, layers of clouds way up in the sky, eventually the sun hits them and light up. And it's just, you know, really this picture of Mount Hood in Oregon, I was Mm -hmm. standing chest deep in a lake. Really? uh, When I took this picture and was being eaten, almost eaten alive by mosquitoes while I was waiting for this scene to happen, for the sun to go down and the sky to light up, I literally was sunk because I didn't have any insect repellent, and I sunk down um, to with with my with my nose stuck up, kind of out of the water to to keep the mosquitoes from biting because they were ferocious. And then I would I would uh, rise up out of the water, and then it would ripple <laughs> across this lake. So I had to stand there perfectly still without moving. My my camera's on a tripod, just right above the water and 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 kind of wait for that this to happen but this was probably 25 30 minutes after sunset well a lot of people call that the second sunset there you go and and in in the long summer that we you know we love the long summer here and and a couple of things other people for the outside that you don't know some of the things that that are implied here you know well, uh, 1.8 million acres, 1.78 million acres right here behind us. Well, of that, a quarter million of that is absolute wilderness. No roads, no motor cars, not a single luxury kind of thing, right? That's correct. That that pristine darkness is the only way you get these these shots. Now, you, you can overexpose and whatever, but you say, well, why don't I see the Milky Way at my house? You live in a town. You live in a city, right? That's true. Milky Way does take dark skies. And by the way, the Buffalo River up here where we live is is an international dark sky park now. Oh, really? Uh, yes. And yeah, I mean, there are places in Washita that are just as dark. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. 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 And I was also going to note the the but the uh, we'll, we'll have the sun go down and just you say, well, the sun goes down. And, and I have people that will come out and go, oh, it's a beautiful day. This is going to make a great sunset, not a cloud in the sky. And I'm like, no, 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 you're going to want clouds for a great sunset. That's right. That's, um, by the way, speaking of Hot Springs Village and dark sky, just um, two weeks ago, I was sitting on my cousins with, with, with the new house, just moved there last year on, on their back deck, and we could see um, there was not a view of the Milky Way, but we could see stars like Cassiopeia was one of the main constellations, and it, it was shining bright. So Hot Springs Village is uh, um, has got some good nighttime sky village uh, sky viewing. I'm sorry. And I want to just a techno note to throw in there real quick, and I know I'm assuming you're an Apple guy. Uh, the Google Sky View, and I'm sure Apple has a similar product too. But if you've never loaded the Sky View. It is remarkable. It's basically an app you can put on your phone. It overlays over your camera where the stars are. So you turn on your camera at night, point it up at the sky, and it'll say, okay, here's the 
the North Star, here's, you know, uh, whatever. And as you spin around, you can literally look beneath you and see what, what the Southern Hemisphere is seeing at the same time. Right. Fascinating product. Fascinating product. T- tell me more. You had, scroll down just a little further, if you would. Where's the photo you had? And if you just want to have any, you want to highlight, I'm thinking about the photo that you have of the fox getting a drink by the water. That is one of the most beautiful pictures. And I want to hear the story about that, if you would. Well, and, and that will. Uh, okay. That was a healthy little red fox, by the way. It, yes, it was. I'm I'm going to uh, take you back to. So this is my main page, web page. Mm-hmm. And you can order all the books by scrolling down, just like we did a second ago, or get them from your local store. Mm-hmm. But um, right up here, there's a link to online photo galleries. Okay. And if you click on that, that takes you to a, a different website um, that has literally thousands of pictures of mine. And one of the things that it has mm. is uh, mm. all of my recent picture books. And if you click on one, like Arkansas Wildlife, right, all the pictures that are inside that book will come up. Oh, wow. And so this kind of gives you a preview of oh, it. Oh, my and goodness. While this book is no longer in print, but there may still be some stores, some bookstores that have it. But sure. I'm... Uh, I'm scrolling down here to see uh, if I can find the one. There's there, there's a red fox and there's um okay, I didn't get that picture in this book. Mm-hmm. But there is um <clears throat> but this just gives you an idea of you can go look at uh, lots of different pictures and and see what they are inside the book. Well, I want to I want to mention the the two that I seem so m- most iconic that I've seen of yours is the picture of the elk looking down on your, your, it's a, it's a higher shot looking down on Boxley Valley with the elk. That is just, Oh my goodness. Time just stands still. It seems to at that time. Looking down on the elk. Yeah. I thought okay. you did. Or maybe across I, I, in my mind, you know how you can't remember things like that. Oh yeah. I know. Um, I've, I've taken lots of elk pictures. This is the most popular elk picture of mine. Really? Yeah. And, and they were reintroduced what in the late nineties. Uh, something like that, yes. And and, and, and have frankly a, flourished. A tremendous success. This is the one that you're asking about. That's the one. That's the yes. one. Well, you actually have one where he's dipping down, taking a drink of water, and oh my goodness, that's what yep, a shot. There, how, yes, how, long, how long did this take to shoot this picture? Well, this is a um another situation where I when I was working on uh, and that other picture was taken at the same time. Um uh, and I knew someone in a in another county here that, that had some acreage and, and they knew I was taking pictures of wildlife. And they said, hey, we got some foxes over here that, that have kits or pups, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see them almost every day playing around and because uh, their den is it's not too far away. So I went over there, set up my my blind. And again, I spent uh, he was two or three days on that one too. And this is one of the things that he said they did every day is, you know, they came down to, to the little pond and got a drink. So that's where I hung out. And with wildlife, um, the guys that are, that are full-time real wildlife photographers, they're that to me, that's the most difficult photography, nature photography there is because you can take thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures and never get one of moving animals that, that is perfect or, or, or that is uh, really good. So you have to, because you got to get the eyes and focus mm. and you got to get, 
not only great light, which is what I love, but you have to get the expression of of the animal. And wildlife, of course, they're usually moving around. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I tell you what's amazing to me. I, I see what you've got going on here, and this is absolutely stunning. You see, you sit for two or three days to get a good photo, right? Sometimes, what happens if after two? Uh, well, I was going to say, well, have you sat someplace two or three days and got nothing? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Most oh, of the time. Lord. Yes. Oh, my Lord. My well, Lord. And, and there's a lot of times um, just uh, last month, and this is not wildlife, but I oh. left here um, in the dark driving over to uh, um, where I used to live, Hawksbill Craig, and hiked down there in the dark. Um, kind of as it was getting light it rained all night and it was the peak of fall color uh-huh. and i had wanted to get a fall color picture of hawksbill craig which i'd been there photographing literally hundreds of times and this was the picture that i wanted to get another version of um and this is one i that i took a number of years ago but it seemed oh. like conditions were were going to be good for this kind of a picture because oh. at, at about uh, just after daylight the clouds were going to start breaking up um, and moving back and forth. And that's what was happening when I took this picture. But I stood there for three hours and they they did start to, the clouds started to break up just a little bit, but they never did this. I call these God beams and the God beams never happened that day. But I... Um, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. I hung around a while and I didn't get a picture of Hawksbill Craig, but I did get this picture. And this was on the trail to Hawksbill Craig, and this was in between the raindrops. And this is a picture that I've taken many times, but I've been back there many times to photograph it, but I never got it quite like this. So Cur- Curly willow? It's actually a high bush huckleberry um, bush or tree. It's yeah. it's woody plant, I guess. Yeah. And this is like six feet tall. But uh, they oh used to call goodness. it sparkleberry bush is, is another Yeah, name. Yeah, I've heard the term, yeah. So this is a case where I went there to take one picture, gave up after three hours, and uh, found this one on the way back. And and this one, um, since I took this picture, is our best-selling print. At, really? At our slide programs, because it's you, you know you, my friend, are one patient person. Well, sometimes I am, but uh, <laughs> not in history class. I wasn't patient at all. So, so let's just put it this way: you didn't start out as a patient person, right? No, I did not. Do uh, me well, a favor. Fact, uh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, even um, because I grew up hunting and um, even at seven years old, I used to go to deer camp with my dad and and, uh, brothers. And and back then I spent a lot of time. I would literally get up in the morning and with my rifle that I could hardly lift. It was so heavy. It was just a big old World War II rifle, eight millimeter Mauser rifle. And I would just head out in the woods and I would drag that gun around all day. I, I didn't have the patience to sit and wait for a deer like you know that's the way that you're supposed to do it and i never did that but as i got older and older i walked farther and farther and farther and because of that um in the latter days of when when i used to deer hunt you know i would hike 15 20 miles a day and fast forward a few years i became a a lover of hiking and backpacking Mm. and in in 1981 Whenever um, the, the Forest Service was building the Ozark Highlands Trail in bits and pieces, but mm-hmm. they they quit doing it because they lost funding for it. And mm. it was just going to grow up and go away. And nobody knew about it at that time. Right. Um, the first place that I went after I was working with them and they said, yes, you can go ahead and, and uh, 
if, if you can get a group of people together to do the volunteer construction of this trail, we'll let you do it. And one of the one of the places we built the trail was where I used to deer hunt. Um, and part of the trail now goes along an old trestle um, from the late, well, from the turn of the other century, the 1900s. And I used mm-hmm. to deer hunt on my long hikes. I would make it over to that area. So <clears throat> kind of coming full circle from my early years of deer hunting with no patience. Mm-hmm. I, I'm tickled because... Um... In our society, and look, I'm 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 happy we have technology. I get to meet you. We get to email. This is wonderful. But I think that uh, the joy of hiking, I'm hoping it's making a resurgence, because there's something about having life happen at roughly two and a half miles an hour. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. When when uh, when Diane and I turn a corner in the national forest. And there's a mama bear and, and two cubs and the mama bear won't run away like she's prone to do. And I'm like, why isn't she going anywhere? And then two cubs burst out of the woods going, we're coming, mama, we're coming, we're coming. You, you, <clears throat> you, you can't fast forward your DVR to that point in life. No, got to be there. Got to be there. And, and, and it takes time to get there and it takes time to get back. And yeah, do, do me a favor here. And Tim, I, two questions. Number one, would you possibly please come back sometime? Oh, sure. My my time's cheap. I can talk <laughs> for a long time. Well, I'll tell you what. If you'll come back, we'll promote your books again. How about that? Sounds good. And calendars. Number two, if you would, right dead in the middle of the picture, you have a picture of a flower. Uh-huh. Would you double-click on that just for a sec? This one? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Right there. Okay. Tell me Pur- the story. Purple. I want to hear that story. That story. Well, this is just, I'm one of the things that I've always done with my camera is try to get closer to things and try to, and try to come up with a viewpoint that is not normal. I spent a lot of time crawling around the woods on my belly, um, photographing little tiny mushrooms and acorns and things like that. And looking up, getting a worm's eye view. Yeah. And while I have a lot of pictures of coneflowers and fields of coneflowers, um, this one really attracted me because of the way these, these guys are. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't know the scientific name for all these things or even the common name for what these are. Um, but uh, I just wanted to get really, really close and just kind of move in literally as close as I could. And the very first print that I ever made of this um, in our in our gallery here, we mostly sell canvas prints, gallery right. wrapped canvas prints. Right. We've been doing so for a long time. And the first one of these I made was like three by four feet. And I, it was just an astounding Number one, that the technology would allow me to print that large with that kind of resolution, with that kind of resolution. The the detail in all these is is really just amazing. And I have made uh, other prints up to 12 feet wide on canvas of flowers. And yeah, it's just astonishing what. uh, Well, and and what people don't understand is, is that this was a tripod shot, I'm assuming. Of course, yes. Pretty, okay. pretty much everything I do is on a tripod. And the reason it was a tripod shot, you say, well, I can just I can just stand up and take this picture. No, no, you can't. Because the depth, the, the amount of resolution, the depth of field, the everything requires that you stand here a few seconds, right? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Well, yeah, in a, in a picture like this, I probably took 50 or 60 pictures of it. Really? Yeah. I'm I uh I'm an old film shooter and uh, the first 
million or two pictures that I took were on film and you never knew if you got it good, never that it worked out until, you know, sometimes weeks later when you get the film processed. Well, didn't you just bracket everything a third under a third over? Well, um, no, I bracket differently, but um, yeah, a lot of times I will bracket the exposure, but I also bracket the focus and uh, use different lenses and try to get it. I mean, I'm sure I shot this from four or five different angles, you know, Hmm. from, from a side to where, you know, these things just kind of poking up and, and uh, I'm sure I probably crawled around and photographed it from behind too. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed at the the simplicity and the beauty of God's creation simply in something so simple as a purple coneflower. And by the way, butterflies are nuts about these things. They they think they're fantastic and they're gorgeous in the field. Oh, I know it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I've got pictures of butterflies on them too. <laughs> show me, show me, show me. And and we'll talk about, well, we'll, we'll, you while go, you're digging that up real quick, I'll mention the, oh, wow. Well, there's a beautiful monarch on there, right? Uh, correct. That's uh, not the same coneflower. That was a different year, yeah. probably different camera system. And um, these, but, for the most time, these are just volunteers that blow up in the middle of the, uh, you, you have disturbed soil, you got poke and you got coneflower. Well, that's true. Although I've, I kind of like wildlife, I, I like to stack the deck when I go out to take pictures of things. And there, there's a picture here that that, that is also of coneflower to see if I, if I can find it. Um, that that we have a lot of places in Arkansas that that are just fabulous um, original prairie land. Oh wow! This Where's this? Where's this? This is this is just north of Charleston. This is uh-huh. the Flanagan Prairie, uh, one of two prairies um, near Charleston. The other one is called uh, uh, Cherokee Prairie, and it doesn't do this every year. But it um, and and these are pale purple coneflowers, where mm-hmm. the others just plain purple coneflower. Um, this is echinacea here. Yeah. But uh, this is a scene that that I envisioned in my head the day before. I saw somebody had taken a picture uh, and posted on Facebook of these flowers and, and of this uh, prairie, which, by the way, Dale Bumpers and his wife, Betty, were from um, Charleston. And I'm pretty sure this is correct. This is called Flanagan Prairie because her family donated the land. Really? The and this is U.S.? Uh, uh, sen- or U.S. Senator bumpers. Yeah, right. Governor and, right. and Senator. Governor bumpers. and Senator. Yeah. And yeah. during during his administration, he developed and and purchased and created these Arkansas natural areas that are kind of smaller versions mm-hmm. of the wilderness, the national um, wilderness areas that you were talking about before. And part of what uh, many of the mm-hmm. national areas are are original prairie like this. Two but, things uh, in this one, if I can. Number one, yeah. the moonshot was that superimposed or was it there? It is a multiple exposure picture, okay. um, but it was there. Okay. And, and the uh, the multiple exposure part was twofold. Number one, this was shot with a with a, a short telephoto lens, and mm-hmm. that's and, and and that's why the moon is as large as it is. Right. But I could not get all of the flower. Whoops! All the flowers in focus. Let me do that again. Um, if I had shot this with the telephoto lens, I could have right. gotten, you know, some of these in front in focus, but the moon would have been out of focus. Mm-hmm. So thanks to digital, this is actually seven or eight pictures. And well, let's talk about, I'm sorry, excuse me, seven or eight pictures? Seven or eight pictures. And it, it's the exact same scene, but I focused on the flowers in front, took a picture, and then the, the, uh, focused a little further back, and then a little further back, and a little further back, a little That's further back. And then I focused on the moon. Um, my eye, this is saw everything in focus, right? But the telephoto lens on a camera can't capture all this in focus in one picture. So this is called focus stacking. 
and I took seven or eight pictures in all the same exposure. And, you know, the wind wasn't blowing, thank goodness. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would have had blurs all over, wouldn't you? Right. And then you put it in the computer and with two clicks, it looks like this. And so people ask me, do you use Photoshop? And yes, when you use, when you shoot digitally, you have to use Photoshop. But I also try to make things like what I saw them. And in this case, I could not have captured it with the camera. No, as as I've said many times, sometimes it doesn't fit on film or CCDs or whatever. Uh, And I want to bring up something here real quick, just because I know there's a depth across here. This is echinacea. And what exactly do we use echinacea for? Well, it's a very healthy plant, and I'm sure there's a long list of things that it's used for. It's an antidepressant. It's a it's a antibacterial. It's a. I mean, this is this was the the natives' go to plant, and you're thinking, well, it's a pretty coneflower. I'm like, "Eh, it's a lot more than a coneflower. This this was this was the drugstore for these people. Exactly. uh, Something else along that same line is, you know, waterfalls. It turns out. They uh, they produce, I think it's negative ions. Oh, they do. Negative, negative ions, you know, help, uh, um, what is it, they stimulate endorphins in us? They stimulate endorphins, but they actually it actually strips off some of the oxygen. So when you're near a waterfall like this, you're getting a higher content of oxygen, less CO2. Oh, my Lord, I hadn't thought about that before. But I've stood at the bottom of Mather Falls more than once and thought, it feels different here. It smells different here, you know? That's right. It, absolutely. And 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 that's why. And so it it literally is, uh, it's healthy mentally and physically. Physically, because it takes a lot of effort to get some of these waterfalls. <laughs> and uh, mentally, because of it, it just makes you a happier, calmer person. Well, we joke that Mather Falls, which is at Pettyjean, one of my favorite places. But at, what I, if I'm not mistaken, I think, and I think these are pretty exact numbers, Tim. I think it's a, about a mile and a quarter down to Mather Falls, and it's Something three and like a half it. back. I th- I'm pretty sure it's about three and a half back because the the three and a half back is like, yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. Oh man, that and, and I, we're uh, I'm sure running short on time. This picture no, was taken no. after this picture was taken after sunset. And um, after sunset, after sunset, the sun had gone down. I'd packed up and left. I didn't get a good picture. I was walking out. And as I was leaving the, the setting sun, or the, you know, the upper layers of the clouds up right. above started to light up. Diffused they light. A beautiful glow, colored glow on this scene. So I ran back up here, got my camera out and I didn't want to get my the the view that I could see was going to be from the middle of the creek here. Right. And I uh, so I was going to have to wade out in the middle of the creek. And this was this was almost at flood stage. It was a lot of water. Wow. I didn't want to get my blue jeans wet because I was on a two or three day road trip. And like I do frequently, I wear the same clothes and I didn't want to get my blue jeans wet. So I looked around. Everybody had left. I pulled my britches off, took my boots off, set them up there carefully, and I waded out into this water until I got to, well, my voice started getting high, and it was pretty deep water, so I set my tripod up in, kind of like it did for that one lake picture, Mount Hood, to where it was uh, above the water, set my camera on it, I mean, the, the tripod legs were in the water, and I took three or four pictures, very long exposure, as you can see, the foam on the water here is, it, is this is like a, I don't know, a minute long exposure really? and during that time that this foam traveled and it, it went both sides of me. So you can tell I'm in the middle of the water. Yeah. 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 Well, then the color started to go away. I only got, yeah. like I said, three or four pictures and I, it was great. I got the picture and then it started, it opened up and it started pouring rain. 
Oh, and you're standing in the middle of the creek. I'm standing in the middle of it with my clothes over there getting wet anyway. That you didn't want to get wet. Yeah. But I didn't want yeah, to get yeah, wet. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. don't tell the park service that they'll never know. They'll never know. Story's safe with me, us and three or four okay. thousand other people. I do yeah. want to mention real quick to a couple of things. Uh I'm gonna make a suggestion and I hope you'll endorse me on this. Uh, a lot of people don't want to carry a big tripod. They don't want to carry five pounds of equipment or whatever. There are some really great point and shoots that you know that people would be happy with that have some really good zoom. I would recommend a point and shoot and a monopod. Is that a good idea? Oh yeah, that's that that's a great idea. Um, although you know, <laughs> this is one of the best cameras ever made. It's really it's it's hard to better. beat. It's hard to it beat. And, and and let's discuss it. We're here. We're in the middle of it. Let's go there. The CCD on those little cameras is about three sixteenths to a quarter of an inch. It's tiny. The, the CCD on one of your cameras is about 1.67 inches. It's it's big. It's a big CCD. And that's the delineation. People are like, well, why would I spend $500 on a, on a nice camera when I could get one for $150? It's the size of that film, to use the term, the CCD. And that's where all the resolution comes from, right, Tim? That's right. So, um, And interestingly, with, with the tiny sensor on an iPhone, you can take pictures that I can't do with a large format medium format, uh, uh, $10,000 camera. Um, and you can also get greater depth of focus with this mm -hmm. little camera yeah, um, yeah. because, because the lenses are extreme wide angle lenses, greater depth of field. Very much. But you cannot in enlarge these very big. And that goes into the resolution that you're talking about. So while this, uh, this picture right behind me, Hawksbill Craig is, mm -hmm. that's five feet wide. I was taken with a medium format digital camera that actually has a two and a quarter inch wide uh, sensor. Really? I can take a picture with uh, this iPhone that I can project that large or even on a big screen, but making a print that large where you can walk up and see the detail. And that's in the individual leaves and rocks and grains of sand and even and stuff. You can't do that with a phone. Yeah, and, and, anyway. <laughs> well, the, the resolution and and I tell people we, we've done this from some of the classes I teach, you know, there, there's just two or three rules of taking a, a photograph with an iPhone or a, a, a camera or a phone. Move your what well, number one, clean your lens because it's typically smudged. Number two, move your butt. Get out in the middle of the creek if you need to, to get your picture, if that's what you want to do. Well, I'll just pinch and zoom. Well, when you pinch and zoom, this this quarter of an inch CCD now had an eighth or a sixteenth. It, it just uses a smaller portion. That's why they get so grainy. I'm not trying to get super techie, but move your butt. Move your butt. Find the angle that you want to take. And by the way, I have walked up. I had my pants on, but I have walked up that path from Mather up back to the to the lodge in the dark. And it's not a lot of fun. Well, and I see to me, I love it. I love going uphill. And, in the uh, dark? Yes. Yeah. On slippery, when it's raining on slippery I'm, rocks? I'm very comfortable in rain and in the dark. And I will frequently, because I'm almost always by myself, wear a bike helmet with me. Because really? if you're on slippery rocks, even yep. on the level in the middle of the day, you can slip and hit your head. And then that story over. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm much more careful in the dark and when it's slippery and whatnot. In fact, these days I also wear, um, the brand name of what I wear are yak tracks, which mm. is kind of expandable, um, kind of, uh, things that you put on the soles of your boots. If I'm going to be crossing streams or going on to, uh, wet, slippery rocks, uh, particularly if I'm waterfall, uh, taking pictures of waterfalls and they do great. They're designed for ice. 
and snow, but they work great on slippery rocks and they, really? they don't do very much. So I've yeah. seen those and heard of them. I didn't realize that that is a great idea for you're going to be. You're, and when you're going to do a waterfall, you will be in the water. You will be on ro- wet rocks, wet slippery rocks. A lot of times that's where the best view is from. That's for sure. Really? Uh, really? Yeah. Well, I tell you what, we're going to have to wrap it up. I appreciate you. And uh, man, I thank you so much, Tim. We'll get this uh, packed up and sent to you and let you see a copy. For Hot Springs Village Inside Out, I'm Dennis Simpson. He's Tim Ernst, the all-weather photographer man. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks, Tim. Thanks a lot. Appreciate being here. Thanks for watching and listening to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast starring Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com.